0: If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. If there's topics you'd love to have us address, we would love to share them with you. Let us know your impact and let us know your feedback. Hi, everybody. It's Tim Hagan from Progress Coaching, and today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to conduct an interview uh, with an industry leader. Uh, today we have Chris Hokum, and Chris is a strategic partner of Progress Coaching and a master trainer. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? I'm
1: good, Tim. How are you?
0: Good, good. And one of the things that you've put on your profile and on your LinkedIn profile and certainly some of your marketing materials is master trainer. What does that entail?
1: Well, uh, master trainer really is someone that helps trainers newly starting trainers or existing trainers help them develop their skills and help them be more proficient and effective in the training room uh, by using adult learning environment techniques and really learning the, the psychology of the training room and i think the probably the greatest reward of being a master trainer is really helping trainers set up their careers moving forward uh, putting them on the right path towards generating dialogue in the training room and uh, not treating it like a classroom, but really having a collaborative environment and really just setting them up for success for when they get back to their organizations.
0: Is that one of the reasons you somewhat transitioned in added coaching? I mean, you haven't left training, but you've added coaching to your arsenal? Absolutely,
1: Tim. Uh, one of the things that that I always felt bad about was when I would leave a group of, uh, of newly certified trainers uh, to go back to their credit unions and start delivering sales, service, and leadership programs. I was always worried about whether or not they were going to have the reinforcement necessary from leadership, from management, from supervisors. And when I uh, was exposed to progress coaching, I thought, well, this is the key. If we can get our leaders to start coaching uh, and reinforcing training messages delivered by the trainers, then it's a win-win situation. And coaching is by far the best way to go about doing it.
0: And, And you actually just mentioned credit unions. That's really of your history. Give us a little bit of your history of why. I mean, you've somewhat specialized in credit unions. You certainly work with non-credit union organizations. You know what, what's your history? Where does that come from, and how does how has that positioned you with your business right now?
1: That's a great question. I started working with credit unions back in 1990 uh, as a public relations person, and got involved in the credit union industry, and quickly found that that my niche was the training side. Uh, I was the PR director at a, at a credit union in Tacoma, Washington, and took on the training function. Function, and that's where I basically started uh, becoming ma- becoming a master trainer, going through the rigors and the certifications necessary uh, to make that happen.
0: So, what are some of the things you're seeing in credit unions today? I know you have a lot of credit union clients that you're working with their trainers and their direct leadership, their sales, their customer service teams. What are some of the things you're seeing in credit unions? Because this has certainly hit that industry. Uh, not everybody, but certainly some credit unions, it's kind of turned them sideways. What are some of the things you're seeing and observing?
1: Well, you know, they're they're continuing to do uh, credit unions uh, specifically are continuing to do a lot of skills training of you know sales, service, and leadership. Uh, but especially with the pandemic going on, it's it's challenging to to get everything together from a coaching perspective and have everything synchronized after the training happens, uh, just simply because of staffing. So doing a lot more virtual coaching, uh, also just coaching over the phone, using whatever mechanisms possible uh, to get them to reinforce the training message that's being delivered.
0: So in terms of virtual coaching, and, and, you know, we hear all the time going back to the new normal, and we hear all the time about, you know, when we get back into the office, and and as we both share some clients together, but certainly share credit union clients on our own, you know, I, I've heard the term Hybrid. You know, we're, we're going to have a combination. And um, I've had a lot of requests as well as, you know, how, how do we deliver virtual coaching? What has been some of your experiences of where you think managers might be struggling with virtual coaching and equally, maybe even their employees struggling with virtual coaching? What would have been some of your experiences?
1: Well, it, I mean, obviously the, the face-to-face coaching is the best because you can read the nonverbals. You can, uh, there's a lot of things, additional things you can pick up on that you might not be able to pick up over the virtual setting. Uh, so, I, you know, I, they're, they're accepting it because everybody's completely Zoomed out right now. Uh, they've, they've, they attend, but how dialed in are they because of so many Zoom meetings, so much virtual communication? Uh, that's what we're working on right now is how do we refine that uh, and make it even better?
0: Yeah, we've actually had a client, a non-credit union client, does something very interesting, uh, and I'd love to hear your your perspective on this. One week, they'll put the video camera on. The next week, they will have it off, and so they stagger it because this, you know, like you and I are actually not going to have video in our podcast, but we're looking at each other as we record this. This can be very fatiguing. The second thing is um, – they're alternating not only the audio and the video, but they're actually prepping people by sending you know, questions. Here are the things I'm going to ask you to prep. What are some of the things that you've seen as it relates to virtual coaching?
1: Well, uh, when when using the, the virtual setting, uh, it's, it's a, obviously it's very important to have uh, resources available, tools that you can uh, put in their hands uh, so that they can join the training and be a part of it and uh, be active, actively involved in the virtual setting. Uh, so I like to have the the program materials in their hands so that they can utilize those and, and go through them and review them as we're talking so that they're involved and they're engaged in the process as well.
0: And I guess, you know, it's interesting because when we've gone from this new, you know, coaching where people are coaching and now we're in this new virtual world or hybrid world, you know, what are some of the areas that you're also experiencing? Because, you know, we hear it all the time, motivation attitude, teamwork. What are some of the things that you have heard during this pandemic crisis where coaching is really needed?
1: Well, it's uh, pretty much, you know, everybody's coming back to the workplace with some form of damage uh, because of the COVID, because of the social unrest, because of everything we've gone through with politics over the last year. Uh, So people are coming back with some damage. And it's important that we're on the lookout for that so that we can identify Uh, Those individuals that are struggling and apply the coaching accordingly, uh, giving them support, showing them empathy, uh, letting them know that, hey, they're welcome back to the organization. We're going to try and get things back on track as quickly as possible. Be a part of this movement of getting us back on track and moving forward. So it's really uh, it's really setting the stage for everybody coming back getting back together as a team, but they need those coaches to make it happen. It's absolutely critical that they're continually bringing up issues that might be getting in the way of productivity because of people coming back to the workplace. Uh, And again, with a lot of things on their minds, they got kids uh, at home and daycare and all kinds of crazy stuff happening. So really helping the coaches help them get focused in the workplace. And that's, that's the biggest benefit I'm seeing right now.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to hear you because I think in the last two weeks, I've had requests from clients on resilience and change, you know, our people need to learn how to accept change. And it's always funny, and I would love your feedback on this. You know, I laugh at that request, not I don't laugh at my clients, but I laugh at they've always faced change. And I think this is one of the few times that change was not negotiable, even in the minds of employees, because you can't look at your boss and say, no, I'm coming into the office. I'm not going to work from home. That change has been thrust upon people in credit unions, non-credit unions. And then the second thing is resilience. I think people are really learning about themselves. And I totally agree with you in terms of the stress, the anxiety. I've got kids, kids who are working virtually in the next room. I just had a call like that yesterday. Yet, at the foundation of everything, that whether it's training or coaching, is change, we're asking people to improve. Inherently, there's a foundation of change. What are some of the things that you're seeing or experiencing as it relates to change with the people that you're working with?
1: Well, it's, I mean, change just simply from a, a structural standpoint. A lot of organizations I'm working with are retooling, they're reorganizing, they're restaffing. Uh, so, they're bringing on, on new people into, into, the, into the organization. So, of course, base, base uh, tech Training and uh, introductory training is really important, getting people to understand that the organization and what they stand for uh, and kind of setting the stage for how we're going to kind of take care of each other moving forward. Uh, We're going to walk through this hand in hand. We're in this together. And it's not just uh, you guys do the job and I'll sit up here in my office and tell you what to do and manage things, but actually be involved and coach and and understand the employees better. I think it's a great opportunity uh, to really get in and find out more about your employees now, uh, especially when they might be a little bit vulnerable because of the pandemic.
0: Well, you mentioned something that I thought was really interesting. As you said, new people, I don't have any experience in this. Do you do any work in the field of onboarding and working either with employees or positioning managers to onboard? Because I hadn't really thought of that till you just mentioned that is, you know, new people coming into an organization has got to be really funky and weird today. You know, what What are your thoughts?
1: Well, it is, I've got many of my organizations that, that do the onboarding and I work with them uh, closely on that. Uh, it's, it's really about. Ah, uh, welcoming, welcoming them into an organization in an unusual setting because not as you know, you don't have the same staffing around, uh, people are working from home. So it, you know, they're coming into a building where they're basically the only people there going through onboarding training. So it's an interesting environment to begin with. This is really where the coaching comes into play because they're taking in all this information in an onboarding process. Uh, it can be a little bit overwhelming for some. And if they're not receiving the coaching necessary after that, after that onboarding training you know lose at least half of the impact that the training had. Uh so absolutely critical to get uh, get coaches involved early on in the process, introductions, make sure they understand each other, uh get a little bit of an idea of their their personalities and take a take a little deeper dive at the beginning of, of onboarding of really understanding the employees instead of waiting until you meet with them a couple weeks down the road.
0: Yeah, it's great points and and you know you think about everything with the pandemic and onboarding change, resilience and you know another area that I just did a podcast in is is sales and I think to a certain extent sales has been turned upside down. I mean whether it's credit unions or non-credit unions, um, it's so interesting to me because you know companies aren't paying gas mileage bills or traveling bills and there was just a study out um, by McKinsey that said I think it was roughly 68 percent of buyers are now preferring to buy virtually or on demand. They're okay with not having the in-person sales presentation, mm-hmm. and so what's what's been? I know you do a lot of work at, with with sales organizations, and especially in credit unions. What have what have you seen from the sales being kind of hit by this? And 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 what are some things that organizations are doing to kind of, for lack of a better description, kind of right the ship when it comes to sales and selling?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a big challenge, uh, especially in the credit union industry, where so much of their interaction is based on face to face and you're dealing with member owners. So it's a uh, a little bit d- different environment. Uh, you know, when when we think about about training and uh, the virtual setting and trying to get people to understand that the sales component as well, it's it's a, it's more of a challenge doing it virtually when. Again, you're not uh, you're not in the office with the person and being able to. You can read non-verbals virtually, but you just don't get the same feel for the for the individual. So, I, I think that's one of the one of the drawbacks in, in sales is on a virtual setting. It's it's an opportunity to dig in deeper and determine some additional needs and find out what that that client actually values. Uh, so, I I think that's that's absolutely critical when moving into this environment.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting because sales today has been, um, as you and I have been doing virtual work for years and years, where someone, you know, for lack of better description, ahead of the curve. And it's so interesting to me to watch or hear salespeople talk about. Well, I like to read the body language, and I said, well, you know, what if the body language was also a deterrent? What if a guy has a, has a tick or he tends to fold his arms and things like that, and you might read into that more, thinking, uh oh, it's going south. And I think what it's really done, and I would love your insight from your work with your clients, is, you know, I think we need to get back to the fundamentals of asking good questions, really listening. You know, like you and I are doing this podcast right now and we're looking at each other on this tool, even though there won't be a video, um, you and I are very comfortable doing this. I have found, wow, are people uncomfortable being on camera. And the flip side is these are the very people who love to be in front of groups of people selling. And so that transition to that virtual world, even for customers, um, I had one yesterday where the customer absolutely just said, I don't want to turn my camera on. And it, it was a dynamic shift because I felt like I was a radio disc jockey. What are some of the things you're seeing in terms of challenges with sales and the transition to the new selling uh, world?
1: Well, I, I, I think that uh, staying coordinated with with. Your management, uh, because you're out there selling and you're out in the virtual world. Are we engaging enough? Are are their leaders and coaches uh, engaging with them to find out what's really going on in their world? What are the challenges they're facing? What can we do to overcome some of those objections that you're running into? So here is an area where coaching is absolutely critical, uh, especially in the in the state we're in today. Having those coaches engaged shows that somebody's got their back. Somebody's there to help them out. Someone's there to guide them through the process, give them additional skills that they can use to be more successful salespeople.
0: Well, and I, and I, I got to share this with you as a, as a quick story. And I think you know the story is I have a client that was actually hitting their numbers and they had to go virtual like the rest of us. And he said, you know, we're now selling and their, their uh, tool of choice is Zoom. And there's certainly other tools out there like WebEx and other tools. And he said, you know, how do I capture that? And I said, well, there's a variety of tools like Kronos. Um, we use Fireflies. And it was so interesting because about two weeks after watching the recordings of actual sales presentations with a company hitting their numbers, he called me up screaming, my gosh, we don't even know what we do. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, We literally don't represent our products well, and this is not a pot shot because you and I both serve the role of sales in our companies, and selling's tough, and selling in the virtual world presents some different challenges, yet it's really interesting because in this new virtual world, and this is now going to come off a little bit as a slight to the selling industry, and I don't mean it that way, we can now capture reality. Because nobody's going out and visiting with a customer, coming back to the office and saying, Chris and Tim, I, I didn't ask good questions. I interrupted the prospect. Oh, by the way, I don't know our products very well. We know that that exists somewhere. Yet this new world is presenting, for lack of better description again, a dose of reality. Your thoughts?
1: I Absolute dose of reality. And, you know, being able to uh, selling the virtual world is challenging. Uh, there, there's more steps you need to take. Uh, there's follow-up involved that's absolutely critical in virtual selling. Uh, so the shift is happening. Uh, it's, it, it's happening slowly for some organizations. Uh, I think that's, a, that's our responsibility is to get in there and let them know the value of, of coaching, the value of training, and how that can apply in the virtual world in an effective manner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have a pretty uh, wide background in terms of the things that you're doing for clients. Give us a 30 to 60 second overview of kind of your sweet spot, what you like to do with companies, where you feel like you've brought some uh, value to your clients. And and equally as important, you know, how does someone get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, uh, great question. Now, what what we try to do at Morrison Morell is provide our clients an, and predominantly credit unions with affordable, world class training and coaching. Uh, the 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 cost of, of training and coaching has has skyrocketed, and we have a, a great uh, program that's affordable, that's effective, and that helps our organizations get away from that manager mode for the yell, tell, command, and demand, and get them into that coaching mode where they're collaborating, asking questions, finding out more about each other. Uh, you know that that's 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 really where I see the focus going of moving forward. It's just better uh, better engagement with employees better support for them because they need it now more than ever. And coaching can provide that uh, on a daily, even hourly basis.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, for our audience, one of the things I want to share is that I've actually worked with Chris and seen Chris in action. And uh, in the podcast, what we'll do is we'll put Chris's contact information, his website, and it's really important. And I think Chris just summarized it beautifully is that, you know, in a really weird way, people um, ask, and I just had someone ask me yesterday, You know, how's your business? Almost like in this apologetic tone. I said, actually, business is great. Sadly, this pandemic crisis has pushed people to the forefront. We've really realized people need empathy, they need help with anxiety and stress. Yet we also need them to be resilient and change and perform better and perform differently. And it's, it's kind of a mixed bag. And there's no greater tool than training, but there's no greater tool than training with a follow-up with coaching. So uh, I want to welcome uh, people to, you know, share this podcast. And I want to thank you for your time, Chris. Great, great discussion. I really appreciate it. Thanks again. My pleasure, Tim.